I was like, yeah, I'm going to become a web developer and work remotely from Thailand. He's just like, you're out of your mind. It did not compute for him, even though. Yes, and I don't know if you've had any other situations where you had to make a decision to leave a life you built or a relationship you built to go mm. out on your own from the jungle. Uh, how do you like cut the cord like that? And do you end up ever regretting it? Or are you always glad that you decided to keep go to the next destination or, or do the next thing? I'd say my gov yeah, my government's more trustworthy than a lot of governments, but even still, like people actually thought that the government or any government, this is not just about Australia, cares about individual people's health. Like I just don't think they're incentivized to care about you, like an individual's health. Like there are so many other things going on. All right, here we go. Back in bold. Oh, <laughs> another beautiful sunny day in Brazil. I say it every time because it is. It's amazing. I love Brazil. My amigo on the other side is actually currently in Brazil. He's going to see me pretty soon. We'll do a little vlog and whatnot. But it's the legendary digital nomad himself, Chris the Freelancer. Uh, we started, uh, you know, messing around um, on the socials like about a year ago, right? And you mm. messaged me on your, I uh, probably like the personal account, right? And it was like some dorky Australian guy asking questions about, I think it was Brazil. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, here, I'll give you some, some uh, tips and whatnot. And then I post my first vlog on YouTube. And then you comment on the vlog from your Chris, the freelancer account. I'm like, whoa, this is the same guy. Like, I know this guy. I've seen his Thailand stuff. I mean, everyone comes across that $600 a month in Thailand video. I think that's one of your most popular mm -hmm. ones. And then I seen yeah. uh, you interviewed Andrew Henderson, Nomad Capitalist. So I already like <laughs> saw a bunch of your stuff before. Like I think I even started oh, wow. the nomadic journey. And then like I put two and two together. I'm like, what the fuck? This dorky Australian guy is is Mr. Christopher Freelancer. Anyway, <laughs> how are you doing, buddy? Good man. Yeah, I was I was like uh, trying to recall like how we first got connected because I know how I first saw you. It was. Um, on there was like a full-length interview with you on um i think he's changed the title of the pod uh, of his like channel now but it was like was it like no reservations or something like that no it was foreign um, strategies t-bob but the foreign, guy, foreign yeah. strategies yeah he did yeah. a different thing the other guy yeah yeah um and then yeah we somehow started messaging and your uh big reason why i've been considering brazil um, I have some other friends here that have told me that it's, you know, a great place I go to check out, but then, uh, you've been boarding through a lot of, uh, Brazil propaganda <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, oh, I got to check it out. You know, like it's, uh, my experience with Brazilians outside of Brazil has been great. I love how they're such fun people. Um, and yeah, I thought, well, all signs point to Brazil as a place for me to check out next and haven't spent a lot of time in Latin America just because I think because I'm Australian and like Southeast Asia is convenient. It's closer to home, uh, better time zone for Australia, but I've pushed those excuses aside and now I'm in Latin America. So yeah, giving uh, Brazil a go and next month I'll be checking out the North and, and visiting you up there in uh, João Pessoa. Hey, save the Brazil talk for when you come here because you owe me a vlog too. You know, we're going to yeah. walk around and do a little vlog. But uh, yeah, you were so worried uh, about coming here and I said, dude, you know, Tranquila, Beleza, it's, uh, it's fine. But dude, you've been in this nomadic game for a long time, right? Obviously mm -hmm. during the COVID and whatnot, 
uh, this kind of remote work, digital nomad life, like blew up in the mainstream. But you've yeah. been on this like uh, Thailand, you know, work, uh, do some coding type of atmosphere for, for a long time. So let me let's dive into all things digital nomad. I want to hear like kind of the history. I want to hear about the characters you've met in this space, your big uh, realization. So, yeah, let's start with uh, your quick little blurb into how you got uh, into the nomadic life. Yeah, for sure. So I actually I think a lot of people first like catch the travel bug like they have a certain experience where they're they they're abroad and they're like wow this is great like i didn't realize this was out there um and so they essentially catch the travel bug and then want to live more time abroad or travel more and for me that was uh i did a study abroad in the united states uh in 2014 for six months and I just realized that there's certain like experiences that you can't have in your own country. And I had like some, you know, interesting experiences that just could not happen back home. And then also the fact that you're, you know, it's a foreign country, it's going to be more novel to you than to like where you come from. It's just, there's, there's a lot of things to uh, like embrace about living abroad and, and having an international experience. And so when I came back to Australia, I was like, obviously still in university because I was doing a, I, I was finished my study abroad, but I still had my degree to finish. And I was like, wow, I want to live abroad more, but like, I'm just finishing up university. I, I need to like focus on my career now. What is my career? I didn't even know what I wanted to do because I was studying accounting um, and I'd done a few internships and I was like, yeah, I definitely want to have a good job but this this doesn't really this is not very exciting to me um i wasn't really enjoying sort of the accounting work so i was kind of cut stuck in two minds like i wanted to be living abroad maybe i could like do what was typical at the time you know get some sort of like i guess low paying like normal job in a foreign country and just do a working holiday so like a lot of people from australia will go work in the ski fields in Canada or something like that, or um, do some sort of volunteering. But then I was just like, if I continue to do that for until I'm like in my thirties, then I still have to figure out my career later. You know, like I still wanted to have a career and I wanted to live abroad as well. So I was kind of like, well, let me just do the responsible thing. I'll just, you know, finish my degree, get a job, do the normal thing. And then I found an article, but I, uh, I think it was TechCrunch or something about a guy named Peter Levels. He actually founded nomadlist.com, if you're familiar with that website. Bro, I, and, his Twitter's uh, amazing. His Twitter's amazing. Yeah, his you Twitter is amazing. Too. You met him in person? Yeah, I met him once. Yeah. Yeah. Bro. Um, Anyways, you found the article? Yeah. And basically, it was the first time I'd heard the term digital nomad. And this guy I could relate to. What year was this? Had... What year was this? 2015. Yeah. Um, and I could relate to him because in his story, it also had a, uh, like a time that he was doing study abroad. And then he was like, oh, I want to travel. And so he's like, he just started like, he's a pretty smart guy. Um, he started making all these different apps and stuff. And um, while traveling the world, and obviously a few of them uh, worked out the nomad list being the most famous one. Um, and he's a really interesting guy, as you say, like 
check out his Twitter. It's like levels IO. And like, he is incredibly transparent about how much money he makes, what he's doing behind the scenes. So you can see like how much money he's making at any point in time. Uh, he's really interesting dude. But that was basically the first time I'd heard the term digital nomad. And like instantly I was like, this is the solution to my problems because I want to have a career and I also want to have the ability to, to live abroad. So I just, this was like putting the two together. Um, I was dating my um, long-term girlfriend at the time. And uh, I said to her like, hey, I want to live this lifestyle. Do you want to come with me? And uh, it just so happened that we had a trip planned to Thailand. And so we went to Thailand. We actually went to Chiang Mai in 2015, uh, which is, for those of you who don't know, a big popular digital nomad destination. And we went to some of the spots where people were like working on their computers. And I said to her, like, could you see yourself being here working remotely? And she said, yes. And about 11 months later, we like packed up our bags and started living this digital nomad lifestyle. So that's kind of the, the origin story of it. Um, and obviously and why'd you start posting on the YouTube though? Yeah. So when I was doing my research in like 2015, there was basically only blogs, blog posts about mm -hmm. digital nomads. And I've always been interested in making videos. I used to make videos as a, as a teenager, um, just for fun, even before being a teenager, like I made like documentaries about my family's holidays back when I was like 12 years old. Um, so I was really interested in making videos and then I just didn't have anything to make a video on until I discovered that basically nobody's making videos about this stuff. Well, essentially back in 2015, nobody was making videos about this stuff. Obviously there was like travel vloggers, but they focused on, they only focused on like the tourism side of it. Like they didn't focus on how do you get work done? How do you buy groceries how do you do essential normal life stuff while you're you know going on these tours and exploring the world so i wanted to be that channel i wanted to create the channel that didn't exist um and yeah when i first started i think my first video that i did abroad was um working remotely in bali and i had basically a full-time contract that i was still working on so i was working basically a full-time job in bali for two weeks and I wanted to show that it was possible because like you said, since the pandemic, it's like so normal now to work remotely from foreign countries, everyone gets it. Whereas even though technically it makes sense, if you have a computer and an internet connection, you can work from anywhere. It was a hard thing for a lot of people to believe. And so I wanted to like showcase that uh, online, especially for like old school people like my dad, for instance, I was like, yeah, I'm going to become a web developer and work remotely from Thailand. He's just like, you're out of your mind. Like he did, he just did, it did not compute for him, even though if you think about it logically, it makes sense. You just need an internet and your computer. Right. Um, but for a lot of people, it just, I guess, was a mind blowing concept back then. Um, and the other thing for me that was like super motivating about the digital nomad life was the scene. So like, um, something that I'm interested in that not every person who lives this lifestyle is interested in is like going to places where other digital nomads congregate um, and seeing interesting co-working spaces around the world and stuff like that. Digital so, dorks? You like the digital, digital dorks? Digital dorks as you call them. Yeah. Um, 
And so like Bali had some amazing co-working spaces. I mean, the first one I worked out of was like a, it's called Hubert. It doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. Um, and it was like a bamboo house uh, with internet. And I just thought this is like such a cool place to like work remotely from like, uh, you know, and, and Bali has got some of the coolest co-working spaces in the world. Um, in a lot of places, a co-working space just looks like an office, but in Bali, you know, there was another one that was my favorite until it closed down last year called Dojo that has like, it's like a beach house basically with a pool. And so you could like jump off your computer, go swimming and come back to your computer, which was like super cool to me back in, uh, 2016. So I wanted to like make videos about these spaces just show people like what's out there basically it was a topic i was really interested in and just because nobody else was creating the content it just made me super motivated to fill that gap basically okay so let's talk about yeah then and verse now and everything that's kind of transpired the people who have mm. came the people who have gone um just kind of give me your synopsis on you know, the journey of the last eight years in the whole digital uh, nomad community, has it gotten better, worse, awesome? What do you think? Yeah, well, first of all, there's like, a, I'll just start by saying that there was a time before me as well. Some of my viewers are like, you're the OG nomad, Chris, or whatever, because I started in 2016. But, you know, I think since 2000, 2000 as early as 2007, I think that was. No, Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss did it. Um, and he wrote the book in what 2004, the four hour work week. He was well, kind yeah. of making money online. He had like an assistant from India. Doing Wasn't it, that, or? That's what I'm referencing. I think um, it was written in 2007 or was it as early as 2004? 2004, I think. Check it out, Timber. I'll look Tim it up. Ferris. You keep talking. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically, since the advent of Skype, I guess, or like video calling, you know, there was certain entrepreneurs that could do their work online. Um, the thing that's really changed is remote work for people that are freelance and uh, freelance and like literal remote jobs, like they're still employed, but they can do it from anywhere in the world. That has changed considerably because when digital nomad lifestyle first started, it was pioneered by entrepreneurs because they were just like that. You could never ask your boss, I guess, back in 2007 or whenever we agree that it started, it's hard to tell, right? But whenever it started, it, it was it 2007. Be, just uh, it was ah, 2007. You dropped. There you go. Um, but maybe even before that, like some somebody was like working remotely. Like the 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 only thing the technology had to be ready and the had to be good enough, and you had to be able to get away with it, basically. And so entrepreneurs, maybe they didn't deal with clients, or maybe they did, but they had enough pull to say, "Hey, I'm." going to be working remotely we have to video call now uh those were the initial people that were first living this lifestyle and then now you've got like it's it's a lot more um i'd say you got a lot of people that are just like not necessarily testing it out but like who like live their normal lives but do it remotely like work from home and then suddenly like oh this month i'm working from a foreign country which you see a lot in, I think, Europe, because, you know, like Europe, everything's so close together. And it's the, you know, if you're from an EU country, it's like another EU country, you've got like free uh, movement agreement, right? So like, if you're working remotely in Berlin, as a as a German, 
And then you're just like, well, next month I'll just work remotely from Spain and then go back to Berlin where you have your normal life. Like that's become a lot more possible. Whereas back when it was just entrepreneurs kind of like living adventurously, they kind of would be not doing that as much. You know, they'd be like either living somewhere completely abroad or, or traveling around. And so to answer your question of like overall, like how it's changed, I'd say like it's um, the people that did it at the beginning were more on the cutting edge. So I felt like, I guess those were more interesting people. Uh, whereas now, like, obviously you can find interesting people within this community, but like you said, with the, there is some truth to this, uh, <laughs> there is some truth to this digital dorks thing because now it can be anyone, right? Um, it, it, it really now, because so many people can be remote workers, you can have people of all personality types and all sorts of jobs and everything. So the scene has become more like normal people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does because the the psycho weirdo entrepreneurs were doing something everyone thought was impossible. And obviously they got to take differently or think differently to, to do it. Right. So you're going to yeah. see a lot of cuckoo characters, but nowadays, yeah, you meet people that are just the normal Tom and Jerry that uh, you went to university with that are, you know, trying it out, especially like obviously in the hot spots like uh, uh, Playa del Carmen or that kind of area and, and uh, Bali, a shit ton of people, right? I've never been to Bali. Chiang Mai, I saw a handful too. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just uh, like, like I told you, and then they all get together and then that's, they're not like into the culture. They're all creating their own mm -hmm. little culture and don't really talk with anyone else. At least that's what I've seen. The you know, from, from my perspective and they all go on little adventures together and hold each other's hands i remember in florianapolis <laughs> <laughs> two years ago in Flor florianapolis um this girl this american was like in a program that like it's a big group and then they rent out all your accommodation for you they get you your co-working mm. space you have all these events yeah. together and then you go to the next country after all together it's like a big group going here to here and they just hang out with each other i'm like that doesn't seem like like the the spirit of uh, a traveler right but i mean it works and it's safe and i guess yeah. you're, it's uh, efficient you know for me for a while there i was wondering like why these groups exist because i've never had to do one of these groups i've just like flown to thailand and figured it out um but it kind of dawned on me later that certain people that maybe not so much now because again remote work is becoming more accepted but a few years ago to say to you, like, these are the remote worker people, right? They're like, hey, boss, I want to go work remotely in this country. And then the, the boss might instantly think, oh, my God, like, they're going to be in, like, for instance, Thailand, right? Some people think it's the jungle, right? So they'll be like, oh, they're going to be in the jungle and, like, they're going to be, like, playing with elephants and not getting any work done and there's going to be power boys. outages and all this sort of stuff, right? Whereas I think these organizations, like, remote year would be one of the probably the most famous one if you can go hey i'm joining this remote work program there's this company behind it that's going to uh guarantee everything's secure uh you know and i'm going to be there with 20 other remote workers so you know like this is an actual program i'm not just running away uh i think that's a lot easier of a sell to like an employer so I think that's, uh, and then also people like, I've met a bunch of people or not met, but like got comments from a bunch of people that are like legit scared to travel. 
Um, so like this sheltered, more sheltered sort of like, um, training wheels, travel style is something that is still like outside their comfort zone. Like it's still adventurous to them. Um, but for me, I think it would be, I'm open to it, but for me, I think, especially given the experience that I've, I've been doing this since 2016, like it would be too, uh, like sheltered for me, probably like, I just wouldn't need all that support, you know? No, you make, you make a lot of great points. I think, uh, that is, especially Americans too, with the, the scared to travel and then you get the, that's where all the, a ton of remote workers are from. Right. I think there's a lot of yeah. uh, money and remote jobs. And I think I saw the stats. There's more digital nomads in America than the rest of the world almost combined or it's close. And uh, but I like yeah. what you said. It's so easy to pitch that to the boss. Like, okay, he's not going to go get lost in freaking Thailand with the ladyboys and the elephants and <laughs> Dong Street. And he's actually with a group. You know, everything's guaranteed. Like, you're right. That That is definitely quite yeah. smart. Okay, let me ask you. Uh, what kind of characters and legendary people have you met in, in, in this space throughout your, your journey? Tell me some interesting stories with it. Oh, that's a tough one. Um... You met that Christy, right? She's pretty big. Christy? Traveling with Kristen? Kristen, yeah. No. No, I mean, I've, I've met some YouTubers, if you're interested in in, in YouTubers. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess um, I one of my first, like, favorite YouTube channels, like, a huge fan of, was a channel, I think you would like them if you haven't already seen them, The Budgeteers. Um, you ever heard of that channel? Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, my friend Patty um well he's now my friend uh I, I was originally a fan and uh the budgeteers was this youtube channel um the first two series they did they basically the first series was in um southeast asia and then the second series was in uh la to central america and basically these guys were on such low of a budget that they would couch surf everywhere yeah so the the channel's changed a little bit now because it's gotten a bit like normal um like the latest series is just like a normal travel video to um italy right but they do talk about budgeting whereas like series one and series two like was so adventurous like i wouldn't i wouldn't do it like i wouldn't uh hitchhike from la to i don't know where they ended up in central america nicaragua or something they hitchhiked all the way from la and then they couch surfed as well um, and then you just end up having these wild experiences that just was so adventurous. And so that was like, that was very interesting to me. And then, uh, obviously being on YouTube as well, it's like easier to connect with other YouTubers. Um, you can watch each other's channels. And, uh, I connected with Patty in Chiang Mai in like 2018. Um, and then now since the pandemic, he started his own YouTube channel, uh, which I think is bigger than the, uh, bigger than, uh, the budgeteers channel now um where he like typically motorbikes around places like he goes on motorbike adventures so he's a really he's he's a really cool interesting guy interesting content hey, what creator. happened that couch surfing too didn't they just totally fold during the the pandemic i i don't know i i remember they started charging um, um that was I think I don't I know. I one time with someone that did it for me because i had never heard of it and it was actually like pretty good. It was Airbnb basically for free. It, it it's crazy. Like some of the some of the stuff they get, 
like on this on the on the first two series that you'll see a lot of the places that they stayed was like it's called couch surfing but they i don't think i remember them sleeping on a couch like uh one one place they got like a bedroom a full-on bedroom you know um you know in in like a really nice house in uh west hollywood um but that was a bit different because they were like they had some traction from the first series and I guess being uh, a bit famous, they would get probably opportunities that normal couch surfers wouldn't get. Um, I've never tried it myself, and I and I wouldn't do couch surf. I uh, wouldn't do hitchhiking either. But that's why I find it interesting to watch, is because like that's some people consider what I do adventurous. That to me is like adventurous. Um, and then a guy that you've interviewed, uh, Mark Zolo, Captain Zolo. He's, oh, you met him? Naughty Nomad? No, I, I, haven't, I haven't met him, actually, but just, like, I would love to meet him. Like, that's super adventurous as well. So, like, I, I guess there's, like, in terms of why I like, I think there's part of what drives me the digital nomad lifestyle is my sense of adventure. But I'm also, like, I'm not super adventurous, but I'm also, like, not super, in, like, trying to be in my comfort zone, if that makes sense. So these people that are really pushing it, I love hearing their stories and watching their videos um and like yeah people that are doing things off the the beaten path in this digital nomad world you know like we talked about it's getting more and more normal so like i don't really cover super like normal places like for instance like uh um lisbon lisbon's like you might say like the second most popular digital nomad destination in the world right now um but to me, it's just too normal. It's like Europe, like, you know, it'd be hard to tell whether somebody is living as a Portuguese person in Lisbon or an American in Lisbon. Like, it's just, it's it's not an adventurous lifestyle. It's just living in Europe, right? Um, so certain certain things don't, like, aren't adventurous enough for me to sort of get excited about. But at the same time, I'm not pulling a Mark Zolo and going to Mogadishu just because it's the most uh dangerous city in the world you know but i respect that i respect the balls and it's super interesting he just had a kid too so i think his days of adventure oh, really are, are coming to oh, the end yeah no. um but uh hold on you brought up some points here and then i want to talk about obviously the nomad capitalist you interviewed him and now he's <laughs> oh, yeah. big time i mean huge on the youtube and and whatnot but you the couch surfing getting the the big rooms and how much has that changed though? Airbnb, hotels, accommodation. I mean, mm. when you were doing it, it was totally different now, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say like um, the weird thing that happened for me last year is I started using hotels a lot more than Airbnb uh, than I had in the past. Like I would never even look at a hotel. So like in 2015, for instance, uh, we did uh, my long-term partner and me at the time we went to um uh on this trip to thailand yeah same trip where we saw chiang mai hey, is that some and... woke australian talk when you say partner or can't you say girlfriend oh or... yeah yeah, yeah. So in australia we typically say partner rather than like girlfriend or anything like, like normally that. it's not some like pc talk or anything no no it's just like how australians oh, sure. normally talk yeah um just being yeah i'm being politically correct with how i say it um my ex basically <laughs> uh my girlfriend at the time and um yeah we stayed in like this i think it was five star hotel in phuket 
and like paid like maybe double to five times as much as staying at this like really interesting Airbnb in Penang. And then I, I wrote, my blog had a different form back then. And I wrote an article of like, why stay in a five-star hotel? Because this, this place was so much more interesting and I felt just as much service. And it was like five times, maybe like half or so it's authentic like you could feel something more than the same old hotel type of shit right and but now it's like the airbnb sold out to the corporate you know all the investors and obviously i'm not going to hate on the free market and and do what you got to do to make money but yeah like i I, luckily i people i stayed in one of those like it felt like i was transported back in time to like like the picturesque airbnb with the the lady who comes and you know, if you want extra food, here you go and make your bed and do a little cute shit. Like it was just soul. I'm like, oh my God, I love this. You can still find that. It's more yeah. expensive now and you got to search. But I think it's just a crime what happened. Now here's what I do though. I go to booking.com <laughs> yeah. and I find like the bed and breakfasts. Like, you know, the mom and pop bed and breakfast. Okay. I love that. You get like a cool, authentic, you know, good mm-hmm. vibe. and You can't find that everywhere though. No, no, not everywhere. Of course, mm-hmm. of course not. But there's decent amount of the places I go to, there's a lot of, you know, small chain hotels or just one mom and pop type, uh, you know, business they're running, you know? Yeah. But keep going. I cut you off. Make this more of a conversation. I hate these interviews, right? Let's talk. Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to say, um, I think Airbnb's market has become more of like family home vacation stuff. So like, for instance, stuff that can't be fulfilled by like, hotels and resorts so like say for instance you've got a family of five and you want to rent out a house like airbnb is still like the best for that but if we trace back airbnb to its like origin story it's about it's like sleeping on somebody's couch you know it's a, it's, it's an air bed and breakfast right um so like that whole vibe i guess a similar i was talking to somebody about uber the other day and like when i did uber for the first time in in america and when you got in that car you were like hey look it's a random dude driving us here and i don't know if you remember like lifts with like the purple um or pink pink or purple like mustache that they put at the front of the car and it was like a vibe it was like it was a party now it's like uber's just like a taxi and you know like here in brazil everyone uses uber and you just jump in it's like hey bonuich bonuich but i bet i love that i mean i i don't care like everything gets corporatized usually like even these great cute Mm -hmm. ideas but i love uber because i've been ripped off so many times by taxis and i i appreciate you uber for for making it this is what i pay i know exactly what's going on yeah like it's amazing dude taxis i can't stand taxis like especially in Italy, because there's no Uber in Italy. Maybe they changed recently. I don't really? think so. It's literally the mafia. The mafia that runs the taxi industry, and they just screw over everyone. And it's I'm like, dude, you know, I've lived here. Like, you can't fuck me over like this. Like, what are you doing? And they don't care, bro. They're, they're ruthless. So I, I do appreciate Uber, even though it's gotten, you know, corporatized, like everything. So get a scooter in Italy then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you went to but you were in Sicily, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I went to Taormina, which was um, we only needed to take a car once because it's a Tormenia? pretty small town. Taormina. What's that? Taormina. Taormina. It's like a T A. The hilltop one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was Taormina. Oh. It was like the old place where all the celebrities uh, used to go in the fifties, Hollywood. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, but it's it's Me it's too. it was stunning. It was stunning, and we only took a car to go out to uh, 
like a gorge, a stunning gorge, like outside of the, the town. But other than that, we just like sort of stuck in the area and there's like a beautiful like cable car that takes you down to the beach. Yeah. So actually Italy is a place that I'm definitely interested in going to. Maybe we can talk about it when uh, I visit you next month. Hey, let me um, ask you this though. So yeah, obviously the digital nomad thing is popular now. It's become much easier with those groups. You know, you have the the Wi-Fi or, you know, a lot of places you have the SIM card, the iPhones, the translator apps. Mm. So obviously the convenience and the ease of it has jumped up. Uh, um, and we just told, we just said like the soul and what happened to Airbnb is depressing. Mm. And, but was it really that good back in the day or is it way better now with, you know, actually having Wi-Fi wherever you need it and being able to communicate back home just fine, cheap SIM cards, like, you know, are we nostalgic for the past or like, where's the, the balance? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's a, I guess it depends on what you get out of the destinations that you travel to. Um, one of the things I've noticed about you, which I find interesting is like, you're quite off the beaten path kind of guy. So like, I don't really see you hanging out in like, typical you know destinations around the world um yeah it's great that every city pretty much every city in the world now has wi-fi and you know i could go work remotely from buenos aires or lima or like any sort of major city because i know they're going to have wi-fi and people need it to work um but like is that super interesting to me like not as much like i find i think what was super interesting to me was like okay bali where people go to vacation where it's like about most people think i'm going to go there be disconnected have a vacation from my work is an actual place where you can work from and then what that created then was a digital nomad community where you had this merge of like resort living with working and then you created these like cool co-working spaces that i mentioned before so that's, that's kind of, I guess everyone's different, but that's kind of what that's, if you look at my channel, like the majority of locations I've covered have been those sort of places, like just a standard city where people work anyway. It's like, okay, cool. You worked there. Like plenty of people are in an office working in that city anyway, but places that you wouldn't, ex you wouldn't associate with work, you can work out of. And there's these spaces that sort of facilitate that bridge the gap between resort or like vacation living in and, and uh, or, or possibly something more adventurous. Right. So like maybe going to, I don't know, I've been looking up stuff about the Amazon. If they were to put like a co-working space with like super or like with reliable internet in the middle of the jungle, you know, I'd be there like next month, you know, um, that shit's cool to me you know, sorry for swearing. I don't know if you allow swearing on the channel, but like that stuff is cool to me. Um, yeah. So like, is it better or worse now? I guess it's just, yeah, it's just more mainstream and yeah, there were like, for instance, there were people like I'm in Sao Paulo, Brazil at the moment, there were people working as expats here before there was people working like remotely on the internet. Right. Like a few of the guys I've met here have, been here like 11 plus like 10 plus years being expats right so that's not i don't live that differently to them like there's been people working here but what the 
internet and sort of the digital nomad scene has created is yeah sort of like places where you wouldn't typically have thought to work or been able to work from now you can combine work with adventure or resort living or something more associated with like traveling what do you think of uh, that, that digital nomad facebook group are you on that if not what other groups are you a part of or you recommend mm. or think are dorky which one are you talking about? The big one with that Danish guy. He runs it. Digital Nomad. Oh, I have no world. idea. I hardly use Facebook anymore, man. Like it's just Facebook has good groups. Groups, dude. groups are, has groups really are groups. the best thing about Facebook, though. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about the Reddit? The subreddit? Digital Nomads. No, like, are you on no. any of these kind of so, things? So, like, so initially when I started living this lifestyle, um, Facebook groups. So, like, how I've met people. Uh, in the past has been through Facebook groups that are specific to a destination. So like, for instance, there was like Chiang Mai digital nomads, Facebook group, and they had like a weekly meetup every week. So I started going to that, um, in Bali, uh, with the cool co-working spaces, they have like tons of community events. So I just went to those and met people. Um, there's also nomad list. Uh, I used nomad list last year, actually in Turkey, I messaged someone and they said, Hey, there's a WhatsApp group. And they added me to a WhatsApp group. So there's communities everywhere. It just depends on whether they're on Facebook, whether they're on a WhatsApp chat or whether they congregate at some sort of co-working space or community group. Um, I typically don't use a lot of Facebook groups anymore. And I guess, cause I've been, like for instance, with the Chiang Mai example, um, once I'd met enough people in Chiang Mai and had my own friend group, I didn't really go to the meetups anymore or like, or like seek out people on Facebook groups. Um, so like, and then the thing you'll find about digital nomads is like, if you live this lifestyle for a while and meet enough of them, they're always moving around. So somebody you met in Thailand might be in, Portugal right now, which has actually happened last year, you know? And so like, I bumped into some friends that I'd met, uh, like in different places around the world in Portugal. So like digital nomads are always traveling. Uh, actually some of my friends in Rio that I met up with last month, I met them in Thailand. Right. So, yeah. So like for me, yeah, I guess the last time that I tried to like connect with digital nomads and didn't know anyone in the city, it was through nomad list. Um, which when I started, uh, I think I signed up to nomad list eight years ago, it was $25 lifetime. Uh, now he keeps changing the price. So I don't know how much it is, but if you're going to use the community aspect of it, it's probably worth. I don't know how much it is, but it's probably worth it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be buying it just for the list. Yeah. I got to start, uh, maybe meeting up with some more of the people I like meeting the locals or meeting like, uh, you know, randomly, not on the internet and, and, and whatnot. Like I had a great time recently in that Cambodia when I met these two Russian dudes and we ended up yeah. spending like the next, you know, like two months doing crazy shit, but it wasn't off some digital nomad group. It was more like authentic. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just love diving into the locals, you know, meeting the local type of people. And, and, yeah, uh, right. but I think, I think that's some sort of psyche thing with me. Like, I don't know, like, why don't I like these kind of people? there's got to be something of a reflection on me of why that is the case. So 
maybe I should nah. psychologically analyze myself. Analysis. I get it, man. Like part of the reason why I follow your content is because you're more like that. And we were talking before about the like certain people needing these programs to excuse me to travel abroad. Um, I don't like need that. Like it's well within my comfort zone to book an Airbnb, find a good area, book an Airbnb, sign up to a co-working space, and then just like do my own routine, right? Whereas uh, the same sort of can be said for like socializing and meeting new people. I am not as like confident and adventurous as I would like to be with that sort of stuff. So for people like me, uh, the online way is a little bit less uh, friction, you know, um, and to the point, but I definitely agree that like some of the best experiences will be from people you just meet out or like just by putting yourself out there. And, um, definitely in terms of like meeting locals and stuff like that. Um, that's been a criticism of me on my channel before is like, uh, hanging out a lot with foreigners and not really meeting local people. Um, to be honest, being single helps with that because if you like meet local women, that's like a way to meet meet locals. Obviously, when I was in a relationship, I wasn't like hanging out with local women. Um, yeah, you can see why, right? But like the yeah, like being single, I think pushes you to meet meet more locals in in the form of op of the opposite sex. But it'd be cool to meet more like locals and people that are just like not so much like online putting themselves out there to meet, but like just chance meetings in like bars and stuff like that. So I think that's actually really cool and great way to meet people if you're more like outgoing and confident type. Well, I'm lucky too. I mean, four months of the year, I'm thrown into that situation with the locals, with the the football, you know? So I, yeah, I get blessed nice. like in getting myself put in there and, and understanding there's some struggles that involve that, but um, mm. Yeah, I 100% agree. But okay, loneliness. Yeah, that kind of brings up that topic. How have you dealt with the, the loneliness bug? And um, I think it goes into the people that even start mm. doing this. Like something is weird. Like, why the fuck did you leave home? Why are you living in these different places? Like, there's something weird in our brains that allow us to adapt to, to loneliness more. Uh, give me your, your thoughts on that. And then also how you deal with it, when you feel it, uh, etc. Yeah, it's a tricky question to answer. I think uh like for instance uh some another content creator in my space uh riley bennett i've collaborated with a few times he has a digital nomad channel as well and um it's more like merged more he started living in thailand it's more merged towards business but somebody asked him like how do you deal with loneliness and he sort of broke it down into three categories i think it was like friends uh like love and like greater sort of community i think and so he has a really strong like guy group, I guess. So like he doesn't have to, I guess he feels less lonely on like the, the, the love and like having a partner or a girlfriend as you probably prefer to call it. Um, so it, and then, and then there's like the, the community aspects, like how like many like people that are not that close that you're hanging out with. Right. Um, I think loneliness is a is is more of a feeling than a than a amount of people you're hanging out with or like how off or like amounts or how often you're hanging out with people. Um, for instance, you know, if you hang out with a bunch of people that just aren't your people, 
that can often feel more lonely than having one friend who you, you know, you feel at home with and you get along well with. Right. Um, I've definitely been in situations where like, you know, like for instance, a workplace where you don't really care about your job. And then you have that, you, I don't know how, if you've ever experienced this or how long it's been uh, since you've experienced this, but you know, working uh, at your day job and you sit down with all your, your, your coworkers. Never, never. And I never will either. <laughs> yeah, you're never, you, you, you're supposed to mingle with cause you work with them and then you just sit there eating your lunch and pretending you're all friends. Right. Like to me, that's like almost a lonelier experience than being uh, like in a country abroad. Right. Um, so for me, I guess one thing that's important to me and one thing I, I noticed actually, because something that's different to my story, that's to a lot of people, like a lot of guys is the first two and a half years I did the lifestyle with a partner, with a girlfriend. And, and I didn't know what the difference was like, right? Cause I'd always lived this lifestyle for two and a half years. I lived the lifestyle with her. And I didn't know like what the lifestyle felt life like, like without her. Right. And then once I started, you know, experiencing digital nomad life without her, I was like, Oh shit. Now I'm having every meal, like having a lot of meals by myself, doing a lot of things by myself. I'm not sharing the experience with one person on a consistent basis. So for me, I guess that's the most loneliness that I experience is that I miss those days. I miss, uh, I think for me, the optimal, a lot of guys like being single and, and, and traveling the world. Uh, for me, I think I've had the experience of both and I definitely prefer sharing the experience with someone. Um, so yeah, like I, I am looking for that, but it's very difficult to find someone that, you know, you match with on like a lot of different metrics, but also wants to live a lifestyle like this. Um, I remember back in Sydney last year, my friends, one of my friends was like, yeah, good luck trying to find a girl that's going to want to be nomadic, you know? Um, but yeah, like that's, that, that's for me. I mean, like, how do you deal with it? Um, I guess it's, it's just, it's just all pros and cons. Like I would be single if I was back in Australia as well. Um, or like not living this lifestyle. Um, and I guess it's just like some people will, when I, when I say like, oh, like when I, obviously I'm promoting this lifestyle and, and, and traveling and all that sort of stuff, some people will be like, what about this? What about this? Listing their excuses of why they can't do this. And for those people, that's a lot of those excuses I look at, I'm like, what? Like that does not outweigh the benefit or the, the benefit of, of travel for me personally. But for them, it might, right? Like maybe they have a physical possession that, um, and I guess is getting a bit of tangent to, to what your initial question was, but it's, 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 I guess I'm, what I'm saying is like weighing up all the different things of your life compared to this life, like your life back home compared to this life. And yeah, yeah. Put a pin in that. Cause we were talking about that at the start about, Oh, I need, what happens if I can't eat cheese anymore? And then you learn you don't need cheese yeah. in Thailand, but hold on. Um, yeah. So how, how do you deal with it? You didn't give me any concrete practical tips. Excuse know, me. Man. For some odd reason, like I don't get lonely only 
like yeah. once every four-ish months, one night I'm like, holy fuck, what am I doing? I miss this person. I miss that person. And I say, Nick, now I've been through it. I said, Nick, don't do anything stupid. Just go to sleep. And then I wake up in the morning. I'm like, holy shit, I can do whatever I want. I have beautiful woman. My life is amazing. I'm on the beach. Like it's great, right? So uh, my thing with dealing with it, well, I got I got friends like uh, from yeah. back home. You know, you see maybe once a year, once every two years. So you you Facetime them, you have conversations with them. I have good family that uh, I can count on. I can I can call and but I don't like I don't know I don't uh, I don't really get the lonely bug. But I'll tell you what though, yeah. you're right. Okay. It's not necessarily like um, you can feel the most lonely in the world meeting a lot of different people. I remember like one of, mm. one, one of my flare-ups happened in uh, Palermo in, in Sicily. I think I've been going for like three straight months. And I met this girl on the train and I invited her out later in the day. And then I had these two French uh, girls in my Airbnb. It's like a big Airbnb and you, you take like a room, right? And I'm like, hey, sure. come with me. You know, I'm going with this chick. And then we go there and I hear these, these girls speaking American English. So I'm like, oh, you know, come over here. Don't sit by yourself. So it's me mm -hmm. uh, and five girls, right? And no one else. And everyone's looking at me like, oh, you're the king. And, you know, we're drinking. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm the pimp. Like, let's go. And then um, I remember, like, there's a song, like, uh, Lonely by Akon was playing. I'm so lonely. <laughs> and I'm just uh -huh. sitting here. Like, everyone's talking. And I'm just looking like, okay, I'll never see this person again. I probably won't see that person again. Like, mm. I don't even really like this person. Why am I here? Uh, then I was thinking about a girl I was seeing back in the northern Italy. And it yeah. just, like, hit me. Like, it slaps you in the face. Like, holy fuck, I'm by here, by myself. No one really cares about me. You know, they're going to forget about me. Like, and I don't know. So I, you had those existential, existential type uh, feelings and thoughts. Um, yeah. Every four months I do. But then I get over it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think after you've said all that i think for me one of the great things that i have and i'm and i and i've become quite grateful for is uh i have like parents that i can call on a regular basis i have a good relationship with my parents um i try to it's i don't really do it here in brazil because of the time zone difference it's hard but like i try to call my mother every day um, so in the end, it ends up being like at least two to three calls a, a week with my mother. Right. I knew you were a mother's um, boy. And now a lot yeah, of I'm a, bit sense. Of, <laughs> I'm a bit of a mummy's mummy's boy. Yeah. And then my dad, I call probably like once a week, once a fortnight, maybe. Um, and, uh, the conversation with him is quite different. It's like, yeah, so how's work going? How's work going? <laughs> it always goes to like, How's work going? How much money are you making? Like he's he's the money guy. And then my mom's like, How are you feeling? Um, are you happy? Um, you know, look after yourself. Are you safe? You know? Um, yeah, I'm really fortunate to like have a good relationship with my parents who are super supportive. And I think maybe that's why, like what you mentioned before with the like loneliness episodes, I only sort of feel like uh I don't know if you'd call it loneliness, but like feelings like, ah, oh, I wish I'd be doing this with somebody else right now. Like, I wish this was a shared experience right now. Um, there's certain things like I don't really want to be doing by myself, you know, maybe like uh, going Dude, to a party on. or something. That is one of the 
things I'm so grateful of doing this bold perceptions, right? Yeah. That's one of the aspects of it is like a journal of my life. So I can share these experiences and my feelings and my thoughts um, somewhere. Like I can create it, right? And because okay. I, I couldn't imagine going through all this kind of stuff and not writing about it. And for me, it, it helps to, I don't know, share. And, you know, some people get something out of it and, and, and whatnot. But you know what I'm saying is that like, yeah, nice. you know, so I can go to Paris Content alone. Creation I can, helps you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, some people do the writing, right? They journal it and just yeah. to get, you know, the di- or to process it, right? And yeah. um, I don't know. I think that helps me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I'm a huge journaler, but it's like a personal thing. Um, I, I like write to myself, um, not to the to the outside world. Um, yeah, when it comes to creating like written content uh, for like an audience, I... I just much prefer making videos like I enjoy it way more. Um, and I, as you've seen, I like my Instagram as well. I like creating good photos, um, posting stories, stuff like that. Uh, I have a few people in my life who uh, like anti-social media and I just don't understand. Like it makes me question why I do those things. Um, and like, yeah, hearing you say that, that's I think that's interesting that you, you, it's, I think I'm it's sharing my, share my experiences it. with people. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why I think it, it is through the socials and, and, and also documenting it as well. Um, See, for sure. It's a yeah. journal. I mean, I, part of this is a freaking journal. You can look and back I, I, when I, whenever I get well. super drunk, I'm like, I start scrolling a little bit. I'm like, holy fuck, that was cool. Wow. That was great. Like it gives me good, you know, emotions and, and whatnot. Creating is amazing, dude. Everyone talks about, okay, stop consuming, you know, produce more. And even if it yeah. is like, you know, digital crap, like it is, uh, especially like, then you think back like, wow, when I made this, I remember what inspired me to make it. And then when I look at it, it's like, oh, I'm this memory and it brings up this. And I, uh, I don't know, I, I enjoy doing it. It gives you some purpose, right? Cause I think too, you yeah. know, I don't know, just traveling gets boring you know this cathedral this temple you know this bar this beach okay it gets over and then what else you do you just work on something that you say you're not that passionate about necessarily you know what coding or and you know you need to have bigger purpose than just travel and work no yeah for sure um yeah that's why like when i first started my channel was like i i look fondly back on that time um because i was just so inspired and it did give my travels a lot of purpose um as i've gotten as i've covered a lot of like i guess going back to what we talked about at the start of the video like a lot of this lifestyle was novel and a lot of these like digital nomad destinations like bali and chiang mai uh i felt had to be covered properly but then after a while like even though the digital nomad world is expanding there's not like new balis popping up everywhere so my inspiration to create videos on those things uh, kind of has slowed down. So you've seen, so yeah, people that follow me, obviously I create less videos now. I'm like doing like maybe averaging two a year. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I miss being inspired. Uh, people might think that like, you know, I don't like, like I don't want to make a YouTube video, but just like, I've never done it for business. Like I've never, uh, I don't create a video for the sake of creating a video. I have to be inspired to do it. Um, so yeah, like I, I miss making videos as well. It definitely, um, 
gives a sort of purpose. Um, I think I've, I, I do a bit more Instagram now, uh, which, which I enjoy. Um, so creating photos and, Dude, and stories and reels. Your pandemic story thing was amazing. That was really done yeah, well. Thank you. It's so stupid though, like how something that amazing gets nowhere near the amount of uses. Oh, six hundred dollars in in Thailand. I, that's the one thing I dislike about the social media is you could mm. produce or create something that you think is so special, so unique, and some guy doing the NPC talking, you know, gang gang gets billions in views. It's just it's disgusting, right? But shit, Picasso. Yeah. Didn't get the recognition until after, you know, and, and then he died. And the painting started getting sold for a lot. I do have a question, though. Uh, you don't yeah. need to say if you don't want to. What were you making on those YouTube videos back in the day? Were you surviving just on that? Because that was no. before Ad Apocalypse. Oh, was it? Uh, I don't know. No, no. So, like, the one thing I've noticed. So, I have a, uh, a channel now, a coding channel that's, like, uh, it's got Chris the Freelancer in the name as well. But it's all about, like, uh, basically teaching people what I know about. Uh, what I do professionally and that makes more money per month I think than most months that my bigger channel made really? and and the the reason is because like advertising rates are based on yeah. what you can sell against oh, that video man. so <laughs> think about the people that are watching living under six hundred dollars yeah. in Thailand cool. Like yeah, they clearly don't have a lot of money to spend or they're trying to not spend a lot of money. So the ad rates on that, even though it's a half an hour video with an average watch time of like 10 minutes and like 2.2 million views or something like that. It's, it's not a, a lot of money for a video that's been watched that much. Uh, if your channel is about money, funnily enough, that's the best uh, niche to make money in. So like uh, Ali Abdal, he has an interesting video about how he made money. And one of the videos where he, that he made a hundred K in ad revenue on one video. And the video was about how much money he made on another video. <laughs> so if you talk about how much, so like, this is like a thing you can, I'll probably do this at some point, honestly, uh, like make a video on how much I made on another video that'll do really well. And then I can tell people how much I made on the video talking about how much I made on the original video. And it's just like, yeah, like I have a friend, uh, like, yeah, my friends talking about finance stuff, like they make way more per, per minute or whatever than, than travel content, especially budget travel content. If you basically just think about who's watching your videos, if they're, if they're the type of person that has a lot of money and are looking to spend it, or you're teaching something valuable, if you're teaching something, essentially, people are going to pay for education. Um, so like teaching people money would probably be the best niche because people who sell courses on how to make money will advertise against your content. What do you think is the best um, digital nomad uh, businesses right now? Obviously, drop shipping got hits. YouTube is not super easy. Mm. Um, is it uh, copywriting? I mean, but that's over uh, Andrew Tate's little war room thing blew that up. I mean, dude, I help out uh, real estate agents, right? And yeah. I have so social media accounts. And my God, they f attack real estate agents because one, you know, think they're they're older people that don't really know the Internet. They usually make a lot of money if they've been in the industry for a while. You know, the, the commission off selling a home in the USA is very nice. And these kids, they're all little kids, just, hey, can, do you want more leads or can I increase your content? Or And they just, they constantly DM. Um, 
and I believe it's from this Twitter money and then that the Andrew Tate copywriting thing because mm. copywriting is the biggest thing in the world and that they're teaching that like crazy. But anyways, what do you think is uh, the best Wi-Fi mm. money ways right now? Yeah, so um, I think my advice is going to be similar to another guy I follow in the space called Arlen Moore. Um, him and I both agree that like what everyone else is doing is probably not the best solution, like the best business for you. Um, I think that it's too cookie cutter, like how to make money online. Like, yeah, like if somebody's selling a course, yeah, anyone can make money online doing this course. Yes, that, that is probably true. But should you be doing that? Maybe you should be looking at your strengths and your experience, right? So look at my, my philosophy is like, don't throw out regular career advice just to make money online. So like, what existing connections do you have? What existing skills do you have? What, uh, like, what is it you actually want to do? So like, you know, follow sort of standard career advice. And I think entrepreneur is a career. Like some people don't actually want to be a career entrepreneur or are not suited to that. And some people like, for instance, in, in my industry, there's like, there's definitely people that are more passionate about web development than I am. And for them, like, am I going to go tell them to start drop shipping or something like that? No, like if they're passionate about, uh, you know, web development or coding, hundred percent, you can make, you can make money from that. Like, obviously I do, but like somebody else is going to hate being a web developer, you know, just like not every business, like e-commerce or uh, copywriting or whatever the other ones you mentioned, not everyone's going to love that. So I think you need to like look at what you enjoy doing, what you are good at, what assets you already have. Like maybe you have a network that you can plug into. I mean, I don't know how you got into what you got into, but it's not a typical business, is it? Is you, you probably didn't listen to some guy online who said, hey, advise real estate agents, right? Maybe or the the, fo the football thing too is not typical you know that's yeah. how i first got to start living overseas is playing the professional thing but yeah you're right yeah it was yeah. basically all of what i already done as a kid or grew up around and now what i mm. heard online for sure yeah yeah so um it's not like a a simple answer but i think the answer is more powerful like for me i found an intersection of my skill set in terms of I can create videos and I can also do development. So when I put the two together, I realized like, oh, I can create really good videos on web development. And so like a lot of, you know, uh, my, my courses on Skillshare.com get great reviews. I'm a top teacher there. Um, uh, my coding videos on YouTube, uh, you know, get great sort of comments as well. Um, the like percentage is basically a hundred percent, you know, so like, no, I wouldn't you, go around. You sell stuff on those YouTube videos. You just sell it. For well, like I'm, uh, yeah. At the moment I've been heavily relying on Skillshare, but um, since the pandemic, their business is uh, struggling. Um, so I'm looking to self host. That's my new, new thing. So oh, uh, I'm be putting out some courses on my own website soon um, and trying to build out a, uh, my own school, basically my own sort of skill share. That's just, that's just, you know, my courses basically. Dude, let's talk. I'd be, that'd be interesting to, to, if you're going to do that, but, um, hold on. Uh, 
My question is uh, Skillshare. How do you get on Skillshare, by the way? They invite you or can you just hop on there? And no, say, hey, no. no. So I found out um, the inspiration for Skillshare for me was Sean Dalton. If anyone knows him, he's a photographer influencer. Um, I met the guy in Chiang Mai and um, yeah, he was just, he was just a photographer. I don't think he had a YouTube channel back then started creating content on Skillshare and uh, he, uh, he went on a podcast saying he was too, he was earning 2k a month on Skillshare. And back then, uh, broke digital nomad living in Thailand. I was like 2k a month. Like I'd be happy with that. So I, um, I jumped on it and, um, I made one course and honestly, I was like reluctant to sell something online. Like I felt like a lot of people, when you build some authority, you get some haters and like few people had told me like, Oh, digital nomad scammer. I'm like, I'm not even selling anything at the moment. Oh, you're selling this lifestyle. I'm like, I'm not even making money selling this. Like, check out my, as we talked to before, my YouTube, you know, like make great. I made 20 bucks on this video. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm making these video to scam you. Right. Um, and so I, like, I was a little bit nervous about, like, I was a little bit like imposter syndrome. Oh, can I teach? Like, what am I going to get hate for this? And so Skillshare provided the way for me to, uh, like not sell, if that makes sense. Uh, cause I wasn't super confident selling and even still, like I had to overcome, like, cause I obviously mentioned it on a YouTube channel or something. Hey, I'm on Skillshare now, check it out, which is like a soft sell. Right. And I still had one guy email me and he's just like, you sell out, blah, blah, blah. And the funny thing was like, I emailed the guy back and I was just like, Hey, look, I've built these skills. It's, you don't have to sign up if you don't want to, uh, you know, like you can even sign it's up and so cancel hard, not just tearing apart these freaking losers, but all of them are total dorks. 99% yeah, of the yeah. people that do that shit are literally fat in the basement or like, I, Oh, I can't. And I'm yeah, not yeah. nowhere as big as, I mean, you were cooking on the YouTube for a long time. I couldn't imagine the comments I would get if I had a million view video and I would just, but I've gotten better at it now. I just kind of laugh at yeah. it, but I've seen it a lot on Twitter, bro. Cause I'm, I'm on this Twitter messaging people. Yeah. And some of these people, they are so freaking stupid and they act like maybe it's me too. They know a lot of stuff, but they're talking about things. I specifically know with the biggest like macho alpha personality ever. I'm like, dude, mm. it's uh, there's, the internet is yeah. funny. Like, and I, and that's why I like people who put their face on there. Cause like you, yeah. Then you can say what you want because you're actually throwing yeah. yourself out there, right? Oh, but a lot I, of these dudes, I, they don't do it. And I can't, it's just, ugh, yuck. I, but I like, totally agree Your brain, hold on, hold on. Your brain like consciously can say, why would I respond to this freaking loser? This is a nobody probably in his mom's basement, fat, old, bald, right? But subconsciously, yeah. like it's the community going against you or it's negativity. And like, I don't know how famous people do it. You got to just shut your brain up. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that point on if you don't show your face, you're not entitled to an opinion because, um, yeah, like I think it was uh, David Bond is, is, is somebody I've hung out with in the past and he gets a ton of hate if anyone knows who he is. And um, one guy, he was like, oh, I'm not going to argue with somebody who doesn't have a profile photo. And then this guy like literally argued like, why do I need a profile photo? And then it like, uh, got me thinking. I was just like, yeah, like, how do, can you have any legitimacy as to what you're saying without any identity? 
I think it's like, a, I think you, to have an argument, you need to put your identity behind it. Um, yeah. So just on that, like, it, that's it's, a slippery it's, uh, slope. That's a slippery slope. Cause I like anonymous type things. Cause a lot of people, like we saw during the whole thing a couple of years ago, like people, if they said anything, they were getting fired and they're getting, you know, so I think we need anonymity, but when these negative anonymous people, you know, and it's just like, bro. But how can you be held accountable? Like this is, this is the thing, like for, I think the bigger problem with what you're saying is that there is, you know, this vendetta against free speech when somebody says that something that another person doesn't like. So yeah, the problem for me, I think is people getting in trouble for saying what they believe. I'm pretty pro free speech. Um, so if somebody says something stupid, let the community judge them as stupid, uh, like rather than try and withhold their viewpoint. And especially with COVID, I don't think anyone's viewpoint, uh, whether they were skeptical of the vaccine or the lockdowns or anything like that should have been silenced. I think that was like huge violation of free speech. So like the, the issue is we should be, uh, I believe we should all be able to say what we want and attach our identity to it and not get canceled um and and so like yeah it's a not attaching our, our identity is something as a defense against not being canceled but then i just can't i think this hold on, hold on. i think I'm gonna, I, without an identity. I get it i think uh it's when they're specifically at a person being a little anonymous fuck is annoying but if it's like a bigger societal issue i mean we got to be able to allow people for sure to to say anonymous things about how they really feel and not what their community is going to think of them and, and whatnot. So I don't know. It's a slippery slope. It's a balancing act. But these people that are anonymous, well, here's the problem too. Back in the day, like you couldn't do that, right? Yeah. Or maybe you could write an anonymous letter. But uh, like you, if you want to say something to someone, like you're, you can say it to their face, but you might get your ass beat, right? And now yeah. you got these these little, probably thirteen year olds too, just reckless, and you got to train your subconscious to just just laugh at it, you know? And yeah, God, I've caught my I've caught myself like about to write up something crazy i'm like wait a second i'm on the beach with a beautiful girl drinking <laughs> who the fuck is this guy why am i wasting my time like the, i should be enjoying other, this tropical paradise yeah i've been there as well and then but the other problem is like they're gonna assume you're a hater too and that's why like sometimes i've wanted to say something like constructive criticism to like a creator and i'm just like he could take this the wrong way like he could be like this is a hater and i'm like literally like a fan just trying to like say uh, you should have done this better or whatever or like i didn't like this you know um so yeah like you're just gonna be seen as a hater if you say some unsolicited negative stuff but if a, if, a, if a content creator or somebody says hey i'm i'm looking for feedback i want some constructive criticism on this i'll happily like yeah go in just like anyone in society you know like you're not just gonna, gonna go up to somebody and say hey, your fashion sense sucks. I I say like you should wear this shirt with those pants. Obviously, that's probably not going to go down well. But if somebody's just like, hey, what do you think of this outfit? Like, I'm not sure about this shirt pant combination. Then like you're not going to feel bad about saying, well, actually, I think you should wear this shirt instead sort of thing. Um, yeah, so this that's topic. kind of where I, what's that? This, go, this goes into kind of that nomad capitalist thing. So you interviewed this guy before he blew up that Andrew Henderson. And I don't care really about, you know, your personal observations or whatnot, but obviously you met him in person and you, you know who he is. 
the dude is blown yeah. up, right? And he's blown up for reasons because a lot of people are afraid that, you know, we're getting locked out and we need multiple passports and they're cracking down on free speech. And uh, I kind of just want to get your ideas after you mm. sat down in person with him. One thing I do want to know, though, do you think he's just trying to make money or does he actually believe in what he's saying? Uh, I believe both that he wants to make money and he believes in what he's saying. Um, yeah. Uh, so, oh, man, when the, I the, the him, issue is the people say he's a fear monger, you know, or he's literally, nah. you know, but I, I, that's marketing. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I still watch a few of his videos, but I, I don't really have any criticisms of him at all. Um, he, when I met him, it was such a different time for me. I think it was 2017. So this is we're talking like six years ago, right? And uh, I was a bit uh, ignorant back then because I wasn't even looking at Five Flags lifestyle. Uh, didn't really understand any of this stuff. But the question that I'd keep getting asked on YouTube over and over again was like, what are you doing for taxes? What are you doing for taxes? And uh, without going too much into detail, uh, like I'm Australian. So like the majority of my audience is American. If they asked me what I'm doing for taxes, it wouldn't even apply to them. Plus like the in Australia, there's not many things we can do for taxes unless we move like we get a residence somewhere else. All right. So without getting into too much detail about that, I was just getting the question about taxes often. And I was like, well, the majority of my audience is, is American. And this guy, <laughs> Andrew Henderson, seems to know about taxes, right? Like he's the offshore guy. But then when I interviewed him, I realized like, it's just so much more than what are you doing for taxes? You know, it's like multiple passports, it's residencies, it's freedom, it's this and that, right? And so I think I don't even want to go back and watch that interview because I, it'd probably be like naive, ignorant Chris um, asking him like, hey, so what, is, what does everyone do for taxes? And then he was just like, well, go where you're treated best in multiple areas. And I'd be like, oh, how okay. did you like, get that interview? How did that come about? I just contacted him and like his assistant was like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, he'll speak to you. I think back then and even still, he's very... Uh, like you could possibly interview him. I don't know. Like even at your level of now like followers huge. and everything, maybe not right now. Maybe you've got to get a few more subscribers on the board. But um, my friend Jason uh, interviewed him as well. Like he's pretty open for interviews um, and and getting his message out there. But I back guess, then he was tiny. You were probably way bigger than him back then for sure. In terms of like yeah, maybe YouTube channel. He, he might have had a smaller channel than mine. I don't quite remember. But uh, I just remember being quite ignorant to the the world of what he teaches. Um, it, to me, it was just like, I just wanted to answer the question from the audience. What about taxes? What about taxes? You know? Hey, so now what do you think, though, about all his messages about, you know, getting freedom and, you know, is the West kind of falling apart and freedom mm. of speech and... You know the digital nomad life but uh five flags all that kind of shit what is your yeah. more smart uh th thinking now yeah well, i follow him and one other guy um i guess it's 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 another incentive to live the digital nomad lifestyle or to to be location independent i follow this other guy um caleb jones i think you know him as well and he's like he, he doesn't talk about being a digital nomad he says you've got to be location independent so you can leave so you can leave the collapsing West. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting perspective. For me, it's always been like, I want to live abroad. I want to have different experiences. I want to travel. That's why I want to be location independent. 
but for for him it's like it's not about that it's about leaving he has he has funny names for every kind like cuckoo canada authoritarian australia um uh like what's the other one like yeah he, he has like um uh psycho europe or something like that like he has names for all of them and then he he says that like it's it's really bad i'm not like super negative about the west to be honest i think for a lot of people the pandemic has shown just like i think before the pandemic i was like ah oh, whatever but during the pandemic like for instance for instance australians weren't allowed to leave the country um there were like tens of thousands of Australians that were trying to get back into Australia, Australia that couldn't. To me, this is a violation of our It was as crazy rights. as the news made it be, right? Australia was, it seemed like it was bananas from the, the news that I saw. But you know what's crazier to me than, than that? And again, this is just my opinion, but what's crazier than that is just how much Australians agreed with this. I, I realized how much uh, people of my country are very compliant and we trust our government a lot. Um, I mean, we have more reason to trust our government than a lot of other countries where corruption's more uh, prominent, right? Um, where, the, where the people don't trust their government at all. I'd say my gov, yeah, my government's more trustworthy than a lot of governments. But even still, like people actually thought that the government or any government, this is not just about Australia, cares about individual people's health. Um, like I just don't think they're incentivized to care about you like an individual's health. Like there are so many other things going on in the pandemic, right? And there were a lot of bullshit rules in Australia. Like the one that uh, I can think of the most that was just complete bullshit was um, one time that there was a rule you couldn't stand up in a bar. So you could go to a bar, but you couldn't stand up. And one time I went to some guy uh, had a birthday party at this bar and i and i rocked up a little late and i said hey um i'm here for this birthday party and they're like oh i don't know if we have room and i was like oh well can you fit me in literally i can't they said yes and i came in and because we couldn't stand up i had to squeeze into like a chair like this you know like a couch a long couch i had to squeeze in and i was literally like this in between people because i couldn't stand up the most counterintuitive way to stop spreading COVID by squishing people together on a chair. So it's just like to say that this whole thing, that's like one example to say that this whole thing's about health and it's all about, you know, not spreading COVID and it was a perfect system is like complete, like, yeah, I just don't believe it. Right. And so it, it, at the end of the day, it just goes to show like how much control governments have. So I guess to summarize like where I'm at in terms of like five flags and all that sort of stuff, I'm not like super scared of the West or trying to escape Australia, but I am definitely thinking about it. Um, the one thing I've said to people is if there's another pandemic, I'm just not going to go back to Australia. Not because I think Australia is bad. It's just like, I can't leave. Whereas if I was in Brazil in 2021, I could have at least left Brazil, gone to some other country gone to some place that was welcoming me that allowed me to go to another place. Just the, just the fact that they stopped us from leaving our own country and coming back is, is just like too much, you know, and some people get triggered when I say that, like, Oh yeah, you're going to die of COVID or whatever. But like, I'm willing to take that risk. I feel like it should be my choice um, to leave or enter if I'm a citizen of that country. 
so that's just that's the, where i just don't don't agree with it and um yeah i have um i actually have a, ch a video on my channel about covid and the digital nomad perspective i'm not sure if you've seen it um but i interviewed in the actually two americans but one the first american my friend upton and i said oh it's cool it's like so in america you can just like leave and re-enter and he just like and he laughed and he goes like even that question just sounds ridiculous to me. Like, of course I can leave and re-enter. Like, these are my rights. I think it was and, close though. You had the, there were some times where they said I had to get some bags or some shit. No, I had to, there was something weird. Um, yeah. But it was, we were shocked. I mean, I, I, I didn't spend any time in USA during it. I'm pretty sure. No. Yeah. Or maybe a, a little, and then I went to Mexico. Yeah. And Mexico is free for all. You could do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It was so, I I did one month in Italy and yeah. then I found out loopholes in the rules. So I traveled all of Italy, you know, by myself. And then summer in Europe was amazing. Then I left, went back to USA for a little, this is 2020. Then went to Mexico and it was amazing. They went back to Europe. They got a little crazy. But yeah, I, I maybe spent one month in lockdown, the whole thing. I traveled the rest of the time. I couldn't deal yeah. with that, that horse shit. And there's people, I was even Brazil, dude. They, they started late with it. But there were some people I talked to here that literally spent a full year like in their apartment. I mean, Brazil was actually it crazy. Be really tough for Brazilians. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, but they love their government too. They're very oh, really? supplicated to their, yeah, bro. Like they'll, they'll listen to who says what. Yeah, I don't, yeah. that's one thing I dislike. Yeah. Well, I was just to finish Anyways, on that. I got off on a tangent. To say like Upton, I think he went to seven countries during uh, like 2020 or 2021 or something. Um, so like there were, I just feel like I sh obviously each country is entitled to make their own rules. Um, but you know, the, the fact that you couldn't leave one country, you know, I, I would like to the choice of being able to, uh, you know, if there's a country that's welcoming me and, and it's like, Hey, come, you know, we don't need you to be vaccinated or have a test or whatever. I, I want to be able to do that. Like I, I see, I think of myself, or I, I think on sort of like a global perspective, like I look at different countries and what they're offering, kind of like uh, Andrew Henderson, go where you're treated best. I kind of have a global perspective and I feel like I should be able to go where whichever country has the best offer, you know, and is willing to, to take, you know, and um, yeah, obviously follow the rules of that country, but uh, I wasn't even allowed to like, say for instance, fly to Mexico from Australia because, oh, you can't leave this country the island prison it was like back in the the days where the british created the the colony well, prison well i don't i don't, I don't want to complain too much because um i don't know if you know this but melbourne uh australia was one the lo most locked down city in the world and people in that city have like actual trauma from covid i was spending 2021 on yacht parties and and like having a great time I just couldn't. Oh, they were in lockdown in 2021? Uh, yeah. They were in lockdown in 2021 as well. Well, it just kept going on and off because it was, they, they tried, we had a COVID zero strategy in Australia. So in my state of Queensland, if there were like three cases that they couldn't track, uh, they just locked down the major cities. Um, I know, yeah. Enough of this talk. I've heard this talk too much times. Mm -hmm. I don't want it. Uh, my next thing, two, two, two things. You got time, right? 30 minutes. I want to do two hours and we're good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, my battery might die by then. Uh, How much you got? 42% left. Oh, you're fine. 
Um, okay. So like we were talking about before this, because we're talking me breaking out. I think it's because of the cheese in, in Brazil. And you said, um, well, did you, how was your skin in Asia? And I said, for the most part, good, because, you know, you don't eat much dairy. Uh, we got onto the, the idea about people are like, no, I need my 75-inch TV and direct TV, and I need 10 pairs of shoes, and what am I going to do without this brand of medication? Yeah. It's a big thing that holds people back traveling. Uh, what is your um, idea on that, or how can you help them, like, get over that thinking? Um, kind of like what I was alluding to before, I think some people, uh, they just don't want it enough. It's like, it's like saying to someone like, how do you, uh, build a million dollar business or get, uh, the body of like, get a six pack, right? Um, there's people that don't need any motivation for that because they have enough internal motivation to do it. Um, and they're willing to make the, the sacrifices. I remember one of the questions I got initially about uh, like, how did you just like pack up and leave and live that digital nomad lifestyle? Weren't you scared? And I was just like, scared. I think part of it to be, to be honest is like, I had my partner, like had my, had someone with me. So like to, to, to go with the most person who you're the most closest to um, and take them with you obviously makes it a little less scary, but even these days, like, um, very easy for me to, to leave the country. I Sometimes I would go to bed and be like, oh, like imagine myself in a foreign country and get a little scared. But then I'd wake up the next day and be like, oh, no. Nah. Like the, the funny thing is like, this might sound really stupid, but like no matter where you go in the world, like there's still roads, there's still cars, there's still restaurants. It's like, it's not that like you could walk for, you could like for a minute forget where you are because the world is i guess a lot more similar than and not scary as a lot of people make it out to be um you know especially here in sao paulo like it's not super i mean i'm, I'm not an expert on brazil like you are but it's not super brazilian like i walk down the street and there's like normal stuff you would have in any city like you know a restaurant people walking on the street cars um it's nothing that's like screams brazil apart from when people speak portuguese right so like a lot of the the world i guess to those people that are scared it's not as scary as you probably think um but at the same time like if you're too scared to do something you're not going to do it like i'm not uh i'm scared of bungee jumping for instance and i'm gonna need to have a big enough motivation to jump from a platform attached to a rope uh to overcome that fear and so for a lot of people, like I have a cousin actually who is not interested in travel at all. He would rather read. He's a he's a complete um, uh, like he's super into uh, he's an academic, basically. And he'd rather read a textbook than go to a foreign country. So like for him, it's just like his excuses are valid. Like you don't have to travel if you don't want to. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, this is like about being scared of travel. I'm talking about basically people like me, I brought like three, four suitcases when I first moved to Copenhagen. Ah, and now so I'm talking about minimalism. Well, bad, but also like uh, everyone thinks they can't survive with what's at their home now, or what are they going to do if they don't have McDonald's or well, McDonald's is everywhere. What are they going to do <laughs> if they can't get uh, this type of meat at the grocery store? Like, you know, how do you overcome that? And then obviously 
like me, I learned to enjoy a lot more different things. Like uh, in Italy, how I make my coffee or like I, I found different uh, medication that, that helped or yeah, um, yeah. like you replace it, something that you thought you absolutely needed. And then you realize like, whoa, this was better over here. Right. And then I don't know, you kind of get the minimalist idea takes over and you realize like, okay, maybe I don't need all these different things and there's substitutes for mm -hmm. it or I can live without it. Right. Yeah, it's honestly a bit of a hard question to for me to answer because I don't really relate to those sort of people. I mean, what's the statistic with America and the amount of people that have passports? It's like a, a at least a third that don't even have a passport, right? Um, whereas, whereas, um, uh, like I had traveled abroad numerous times before I turned eighteen. Um, so, like, I, I don't want to be. Uh, non-sympathetic to people that are like a bit scared to go to a foreign country i get it um some scared some countries are legit scary um most of them aren't <laughs> uh yeah so like um in terms of like can i go without this can i go without that one thing i would say that uh that people might not realize is that by changing your environment it, it completely sort of resets your life in a lot of ways and changes a lot of the rules. Like one of the things about um, like, if you have an addiction or a, or a habit, if you completely change your environment, you can often break the habit automatically. So like I've noticed certain things with my diet to bring it back to the cheese. Um, like I'm eating something on a regular basis every day. And then I just go to another country and without thinking about it, I'm no longer eating that thing. And it's just the, the the change in environment can completely kill a habit. And I think this is like part of the reason why like people will go to rehab centers. Like you're going to a completely different environment. You're not around the same people. Maybe like if you do drugs, you go to a rehab center, nobody's doing drugs. So there's no like influence. You're not in the, you're not doing your same sort of lifestyle. Right. Um, so yeah, if you're hooked on anything, um, and you want to travel and it's not, and, and that's like a concern for you. I would just like, again, the, the, the deal with this is like, you don't have to be like us, right? You don't have to like say, Oh, I'm going to commit to six months abroad or a year abroad or be a nomad forever. Like plan a two week trip, plan a one week trip, plan whatever you're comfortable with and test it out. If you're so, if you're, if, 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 if you have a lot of concerns, right. Um, this is something that you can definitely dip your toes in um i mean for americans mexico is just across the border canada for something a little le less adventurous um even just go to hawaii you know <laughs> like uh or alaska right in your own country um yeah it's it's it there's ways you can you know test it out i guess that'd be sort of my best advice for somebody yeah. who can't really relate specifically with those people um, okay, good points. I, I was more getting into uh, like a specific substitution of way of life. I like what you said about breaking habits and the environment and shaking up your brain, but I think a lot of people, that's why they pack so much shit. They think they can't live without her. How can I go a month without being next to Buffalo Wild Wings in the USA? And I think you find good substitutes. Sometimes the substitutes turn out to be something you like better yeah. than before, or you learn that, oh, I don't need to live with it, or I, I don't need all these different things. Similar to like your friends, like, damn, 
how I can't, how am I going to go a month without going to Lucky's bar and seeing Johnny and Timmy? And, and you find out, oh, it's, I met some other people and it's not the end of the world. Like, I think you get a more of abundance mindset when you do the, the traveling, but you practice yeah. minimalism, if that makes sense, which is kind of like a weird thing. You're practicing minimalism, but you're being becoming more abundant and you're not uh, living in scarcity relating to I need to have this and be around this and what happens if I don't have it, right? It also gives you that feeling like, okay, fuck, I can get dropped off anywhere in the world with the backpack and that uh, travel on suitcase and thrive. I mean, that, that's a pretty freeing feeling that you can mm. make do with whatever you got on you and you're not uh, um, reliant on your external validation from your high school friends or from your job or from your big house in your car. Anyways, I was yeah, going to say something that you reminded me of uh, with Brazil and habits and environments. Bro, oh, let me read the tweet. I don't want to paraphrase it because uh, I'm a Twitter guy now. Okay, I'm tweeting like. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I'll have so, to follow you. Yeah, you do. It takes a different type of person to stay sane in Brazil. Getting lost in the sauce, the vibe, the temptations, slippery slope. Routines will save you. Do like a month at most your first time in Brazil. Have you felt that? Like where it gets to be. Okay, you're a good little boy. <laughs> you're nah, a good man. little boy. Um, I don't know whether it's uh, my life hasn't been saucy enough or whether I'm just so strong on routines. Yeah. Um, but I have, I just love routine and I, my life doesn't work without having routines. Uh, like here, for instance, I get up every day and I start every day with my um, 30 minute Portuguese lesson on Pimsla. Um, and then, uh, you know, I always have workouts built into my routine. Um, so right now I'm, I try to work out five days a week. Um, so like Monday to Friday. Um, and, and this was, uh, actually, this might be an interesting point for the, the interview or the conversation as you like to call it. Uh, when I was, um, in 2020, I was back home and then, the, and, and somebody asked me, uh, an Australian guy asked me, Oh, how do you do your, like, how do you work from Bali? And I was just like, I mean, get it. Like I live a life that's just like you, but in Bali, like I get up, I go to the co-working, I travel to the co-working space. I work from the co-working space. I'll like travel from the co-working space to the gym. Then I'll work out. Then I'll like go home, shower, go to a bar, come home. Like, how is that any different to, you know, where you're from. Right. And I think a lot of people like they just, for instance, and this is why I find like places like Bali so fascinating as a remote work destination is so many historically, so many people have uh, Bali associated with vacation. So I think for him in his mind, he was like, okay, so I arrive in Bali, I get to the hotel, I'm drinking Bintangs, which is the, the, the beer in Bali uh, in Indonesia by the pool, um, and then like we go have some Indonesian food and then we're partying every night or whatever. And he just couldn't see how you could still live that lifestyle, like where we were from in Australia, if you wanted to, just like less people are doing it, but you can also live a normal lifestyle, normal in, in, in this world. And so that's kind of like my first video, like I mentioned that I ever did abroad, that was like what I was showcasing. Like I don't, I didn't just put in me going to the co-working space. I put in me doing laundry. I put in, um, uh, I put in getting a massage. That's not particularly typical of a normal life, but like, I tried to be like, this is a normal life, but I'm in Ubud Bali. Like, like I'm in the jungle sort of thing. 
And so like, uh, yeah, um, getting back to sort of that routine is like, I, I will always plan a routine before I get to a place. Like I know where I'm staying, where the nearest gym is that I'm going to, where the nearest co-working space that I'm going to the main spots, right. It's just, it's, it's different to how people plan vacations, you know, like, oh, I'm going to this resort and I'm just going to party. <laughs> like, this is the best area, like, just because somebody said it online, you know? Like, what, what is stuff you need to do? The routine <laughs> thing is the, the biggest thing because a lot of people, they're stuck in that vacation, you know, mindset when they go to a different place. They, you know, get lost in the sauce pretty quick. But if you can just get those same routines that you did back home or you, you do when you're productive. And, like, I like to do it in my morning. My morning routine is the most important thing ever, Right. And then after yeah. the, the lunch, you know, I eat the nice local lunch. I enter me a fast. I get like a nice little meditation, 20, 30 minute thing in. Uh, and then I go explore or do something interesting. Normally, mm -hmm. this is like when I'm not like living in a place for a long time, I guess. So there's different routines. This is like for a month, like a digital nomad routine. I'm going to Albania yeah. for six weeks, right? This is that kind of routine. I go explore, do touristic, touristic stuff. And then like I'll either have a date or like I'll finish any work I need to do at night and then do the same thing the next day, right? So I mix in the evenings. Yeah. Not at all evenings you get to have fun, you know, but if I'm living the, the six weeks, one month in a place, like obviously I do a lot of shit that is, that is exciting. But that morning routine is yeah. the biggest thing in the world. I got, a, I got a question for you because you, you live more adventurous than I do. Do you find that there's like a conflict between trying to build a routine, trying to build systems where you're productive versus like uh, like does that sort of uh stop you from living a more adventurous lifestyle more wild lifestyle because for me like i've been like okay if i'm working if this you know as a digital nomad i'm work i'm pre predominantly working right so it's just like oh i won't go to that destination because i don't know if i can be productive there so do you find that like it's a it's hard to balance or you can find like a good amount of like adventure um while keeping that routine see yeah i think it's i'm a pretty disciplined person um but you gotta remember too like half the year you know four months i'm you know a professional athlete as well right so i guess mm. it's that that other six months we're talking about and and that's yeah i don't have no issue because i don't like partying like my ideal thing is to be on the beach with a pretty girl with a bottle of wine and go to sleep before like 11 midnight right like, I don't like to be the, where people get in trouble is their late nights, you know, the clubbing, the drugs. Oh, yeah. the, I mean, that's what's going to fuck you up for, you know, the next couple of days. And, and that I'd never really enjoyed every once in a while. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. no, like even the craziest places. I've been just fine finding uh, a nice guy. So. I'm a cafe guy. I can't do your yeah. work, your work thing. Even though my, I went to one in Florianapolis with my buddy. <laughs> And it was pretty good, bro. You had free coffee and people left you alone, air conditioning, good Wi-Fi. So maybe I should try it. But I like, I got my cafe. Oh, wait till you go there, bro. You're going to be, oh, it's it's heaven. It's I outdoor, the, all the greenery. I can't wait. I love, I, I love it. I think the place I booked is like really close, right? I think I told yeah, you yeah. that, right? Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. So yeah, looking forward okay, to Okay, hey, last thing though. So you left, so you were with that girl for two years, right? When you started yeah. this journey. And then mm -hmm. you, um, after that, like, what did it feel like to, to leave that in the past? And I don't know if you've had any other situations where you had to make a decision to leave a life you built or a relationship you built 
to go mm. out on your own from the jungle? Uh, how do you like cut the cord like that? And uh, do you end up ever regretting it? Or are you always glad that you decided to keep, go to the next destination or, or do the next thing? Yeah, so actually I haven't had that experience, but I, that has been a audience sort of question that's come up. Uh, again, providing advice on something I have no experience with, my advice would be to weigh up what's more important to you. Um, and then also be honest with yourself because I, you know, I had a relationship at the start of this year um, and I, she, so I did stay in the one city for her, but we had a long-term plan to travel together. I think the balance for me was if she said, no, I want to just live in this city for the rest of my life. I'm not interested in the travel lifestyle. I would have had to make that choice. Well, I don't think that's going to work with my lifestyle because I like to travel like a good number of months a year at least. Um, but because she was open to, because she was like, no, I want to travel as well. I just, I'm working a full-time corporate job. I'm going to transition. And she was like in the process of transitioning. She even knew what career she wanted to get into, which she's in into now, uh, which is location independent. I took a hit on the travel to like juke it out with her, not juke it out. What's the grind it out with her in the one city build, build, like spend some time just focusing on work while she's focusing on building her location independent thing and then traveling together. That was the plan, but the relationship didn't work out for other reasons. Um, so I haven't actually had a situation where I had to make the choice. Like, do I, um, do I pursue this relationship or do I, do I keep traveling? Um, since I've been single, I've obviously met some girls in foreign countries, but it hasn't been serious enough for me to like not to like wait back for them or like to stop traveling. Uh, again, my situation is like quite different to most people. Like I started the lifestyle with a partner from my home country uh, who was down to do it with me. And we were together for two and a half years doing it and then became single. So it's a little bit different. I haven't, uh, and yeah, I haven't spent, I've spent probably, actually that's not true. I have spent probably a lot of time back in Australia since then um, and a lot of time abroad as well. But yeah, I haven't had that situation specifically. I guess my yeah, advice, not knowing, not knowing exactly what that feels like is just, yeah, weigh up, uh, weigh up what's most important to you. And then also notice like uh, how much you're sacrificing for the person. Um, if you're changing just for them, like your part, especially as a guy, you don't want to be, um, you know, castrating yourself just to be with a girl sort of thing. And if, if, if this sort of lifestyle or anything you want to do with your life is central to like how you want to live your life, then that's probably something that you shouldn't compromise on. Yeah, hundred percent. Every time I get in a similar situation, I, uh, I, I go basically. And then I always think back like, thank God. Oh my God. I was about to go back to Poland this year and go play <laughs> probably in Warsaw. And if I would have done that, I went to found Jobosoa, which is freaking paradise. I live on the freaking beach. I love my people I'm with the team. I got beautiful relationships and um, I mean, I just think back like, holy shit, I could have been in the freezing cold, like, oh, thank God. 
but you get clouded when it comes to this stuff because you because like us, I think we're susceptible geez, yeah. to to feeling like uh, deep emotions or connections. You don't want to like lose it, right? Because you kind of have a lot of fleeting things on the road, mm-hmm. not as much deep emotions and and people and whatnot. And you start getting a taste of it, you're like, fuck, you know, I I need to keep this somehow, or or I'm gonna go back to feeling. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're just not around yeah. family all the time. You're not around people that are super close to you. And then when you get that feeling, it's it's uh, addicting and you don't want to, to let go of it. Okay, so what's the end goal then, uh, Mr. Dodd? Do you have a couple more countries you need to see? Are you going to go six months living in one area, six months traveling, the family? Kind of what is your long-term vision as in the next couple of years? And then if you're going to settle down. Yeah, so I do have a long-term vision. It just depends on... Um uh it's very dependent on meeting the person so i i want to um like i mentioned before find uh, a partner to sort of live this lifestyle with uh i want to do that for at least like two to five years i'd say travel um with that person and then ideally start a family after that um yeah that's sort of my like five to ten year plan i guess you could say but like i said it's like when you're sort of uh how do, how do I say, like, I think you're probably a bit similar. Like there's some people when it comes to dating that are just like, it's like a, a job that they're recruiting for. And they're like, oh, this person like hits my attributes. And so like, yeah, I'm going to marry them or settle down with them. Like I need to feel something, you know, like there needs to be like a romantic connection there. And that's kind of hard to uh, like plan for. Do you know what I mean? You never know where you're going to be. I mean, I, the the girl I fell for, uh who i moved to melbourne for i met her at a bar randomly and we just like had an instant connection which was just it's it's it how do you plan for that do you know what i mean um and then also like when i met her she was working that corporate job so i was like oh okay well i'm still gonna go traveling like i said before like i wasn't gonna just move to melbourne and live her as she's living her corporate corporate job you know um but then when i finished my travels or towards the end of last year and we reconnected she was like well I've got this career plan to move into being location independent and so I, I kind of had it mapped out with her um but unfortunately yeah when it comes to love sometimes in relationships sometimes it just doesn't work out so um yeah uh okay, eventually so like, I'm gonna have a family yeah the family so let's say you have the family where are you gonna be located you've seen a lot of the world right if you could pick yeah. one place don't just say, oh, because you can say, I sure love you. Don't just say because it's your home, right? Like if you could really yeah. pick one place to base yourself out of there and then are you doing it for eight months? You're just chilling there and then like a four month travel type thing or like kind of mm. lay it out for me. Yeah. Ideal I mean, life. Ideal life. You look, look, I might be interested in living in Bali, to be honest. Um, six hour flight to my home city. Um, uh, direct flight. Um my family like the, the bali is kind of like i don't know what would be the comparison in in the us like cancun or something like cancun, it's just yeah. it's super it's super close a lot of people come there it'd be easy to get family to visit i can easily go visit family um and it's just the digital nomad paradise you know and they actually have international schools um good international schools there can you still live uh, cheap there or what it's uh it could be up to 50% more expensive than it was during like the heyday back 
like 2018 and, and stuff like that. But when you have something that's like ridiculous, like the whole world is inflated, right? Maybe barley is inflated at a higher rate. But um, yeah, when you like, so the deal with barley is like, I went back there recently and my two friends uh, who were there at the time said the same thing. And I'd met them both in Bali years ago. They're like, yeah, Bali's getting worse, but it's still better than anything else out there. Um, so it's, it is a shame if you've had the experience of being in Bali, like 2016 to 18, uh, actually 2016 to 2020, I think just before the pandemic, uh, it was great. Um, but it's still, it, so it's a, it's a bit of a shame to look back on Bali and be like, oh, I miss those days, but it's still great. It's still great. It's just give, give me, give me a price point for like, you know, you're pimping, like you're living as perfect as you want to live. I don't know, because it's, to be honest, like, I know this is not a very satisfying answer, but Bali's gotten to the point now where it's so world famous that you could spend probably Dubai money in, in Bali. Like my sister's wedding that she just had in Uluwatu, um, my sister got married. She had a destination wedding in, in Uluwatu, Bali. Actually, it wasn't Uluwatu. It was like in the southern area near Uluwatu called Angasan. Her wedding was like, expense i'm not going to say the number but you would probably be surprised at how much she paid or how much the family paid for that wedding. can you give that nice place for a thousand dollars anymore or what uh probably yeah um okay. yeah i haven't honestly i haven't looked too much into it um some people say how do you get accommodation in bali just the usual ways go on booking.com um, airbnb uh i used to uh, i actually had con i think the first few times i had contacts so i messaged people directly um through whatsapp they love whatsapp there in indonesia uh just like in brazil i guess and um and uh yeah like the next time i came i had a whatsapp of somebody but it just got to a point where i'd whatsapp these people for my specific dates and they'd be like oh we don't have those dates and then so what's a place you can search for properties that have your dates the usual options so um yeah i would uh, for those people who ask about about accommodation yeah you probably get cheaper uh like yeah like anywhere you 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 book online you get there you make connections and you see but, what but Chris, you for right now i can spend a thousand dollars and have a, a dope place at least in bali i i don't know man i haven't actually looked so? it up i, I haven't oh actually looked it up man. <sighs> plus i also i don't think in u.s dollars um yeah uh, you're thinking yeah I still think uh, in my home is it year round per is it year round good weather? Or they have the rainy season. <coughs> Excuse me. Um yeah, honestly, I don't even look at when the rainy season is. Uh it just so it's, is year it, good? I, it's good. Because because like I I just choose my destinations based on when it makes sense for me. I don't look at the weather too much. Um because yeah, look, the thing is like it'll rain, but then it'll rain and it'll stop. I don't know some 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 places around the world like the rain just lingers um in the, in the tropics it's typically not a thing like even where i come from in australia like if there's rain it'll rain for like a day heavy and then it goes away um and sort of similar in, in bali it's i've never seen it as an issue i guess if you hate the rain it is there so all the places you've been you know obviously it's a tough thing you know there's so many different factors but if you had to pick one it'd be bali yeah, Bali, if, if you had held a gun to my head and said, where's the best place in the world to be like me, it, it'd have to be Bali still. Um, it's, I also am an, 
I'd, I'd say I'd say like the one type of person that won't like Bali is somebody who doesn't want to be around a lot of people with a lot of mainstream stuff. So for instance, you went to Chiang, Chiang Mai, right? Um, a lot of people love Chiang Mai, but hate Bali, even though they're both like Asian and like, uh, you know, have a lower cost of living and you could say similar food. It's a very different vibe because it's a low key lifestyle there in Chiang Mai. Bali, it's, if you're in Shanggu, it's hard to have a low key lifestyle. Um, like, because so much traffic, bikes going everywhere, parties everywhere, um, people everywhere, crowded gyms, like it's going off there uh, in, in the Changu area. Um, Bali's a huge island. So like, for instance, if you go to the north tip of Bali, there's no foreigners there at all, at least when I went in 2018. Uh, so like Bali, the whole thing, yeah, you can find a spot where there's just grass, you know. How do you but compare Changu, uh, uh, Phuket? How do you care, compare Phuket oh, to Bali? I hate Phuket, to be honest. Yeah, um, it's not comparable. Completely completely not comparable. Yeah. Porque? Porque? Uh, where do I start? So you, I remember when we had the conversation, you were coming to Thailand. I'm like, oh, this would be interesting to see Nick go where I've spent a lot of time before and see his impressions. Cause you know, you've gone to a lot of, you've spent most of your time in places that I haven't really spent time in. And uh, yeah, when you went to Phuket, you, I, I don't know if you asked me my recommendation or not, but you went to the place in Phuket that I hate the most, which is Patong. <laughs> and you stay. I knew it was gonna center. be crazy, bro. I wanted to be debaucherous for a little bit. I think I think for and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for yourself, like even the stuff you were saying about Southeast Asia once you went there, I think like I'd been going to Southeast Asia since I was a kid, right? It's like, yeah, like I guess Mexico for us compared to like, you know, if you were American, right? So like none of the stuff was that exotic or exciting or, or interesting to me. So to, yeah, for me, um, but for, for you, like, yeah, maybe go into the heart of it and just be like, wow, this is, this is Thailand. Um, I, yeah, went, I've, I probably went to Patong when I was a, at some point in my childhood. Um, I, I don't know, or like, I've definitely been to Thailand in my childhood. Um, so the observations you had about Thailand, I found interesting because it's like, yeah, like that's pretty obvious, but it was obvious for me because that was like the norm for me. Just like we were talking about before with Brazil and like, I hate the fact that here at my building, the security has to let me into my building and I find that so annoying. And maybe that sounds like totally normal to you because you've spent a lot of time in South America. Right. Um, but it's, it, yeah, like, I don't know if you would like, how did you feel like Patong obviously was interesting to you, but like, would you want to like stay there longer or? No, of course I couldn't uh, yeah. uh, like live there, but the beach was not bad. I mean, seriously, I've been to yeah. a lot of beaches. I didn't find the Patong one terrible. I found a lot of good yeah. food places. Obviously the party was ridiculous. And then if you walk around, you get harassed. Um, yeah. I really liked uh, the Kamala beach was in Kamala area was really chill. Yeah. Nice beach. And then um, the place where the Russians stayed, I think that was like really modern and I mean, not bad at all. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe. I was there um, October, like a year ago, October last year. 
Um, yeah. And then, so I, I was going to stay the whole time, right? And then I had to go to a funeral. I had to fly back. And yeah. um, so then I went to the Cambodia, which I love Cambodia. And then Chiang Mai. I spent a lot of time in Chiang Mai, probably like a month and a half, I think. Almost two months. Yeah, and I spent a month and a half. That was, uh, that was chill. But all I did was like just work, you know, go to the pool, get massages, see a couple mm-hmm. temples. And I think that was a really good place to work for sure. And safety. Yeah. The one thing I didn't like about Southeast Asia, it was like, it was reminding me of Latin America where you can just do whatever the fuck you want. It's cheap as hell. And, uh, but there was no like danger in Latin America, Latin America, you like, you have a little edge, you know, <laughs> like it's just a so different you, vibe. In Southeast Asia, it's the like, fact this is that you're not like, going to get robbed or jacked is, uh, is um, the downside. It's crazy, here. bro. Like it was almost right. too easy of a life in Southeast Asia. You know what I mean? I yeah. like Phuket though. I think I would really like Phuket if I explored more of the local areas, but again, I had to leave, but like even Kamala yeah. beach, which is a lot of tourists. I'm like, holy shit, this is a nice beach. These are good drinks. You know, I met some good people and, yeah. um, no, that Patong though was fun for like, I could do that for a week. Just live debaucherous. Like I, I, I did, you're right though. I saw things like I'd never seen before, like in no places. I was like, holy shit. This is what I've heard about. Did you see a ping pong show? Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, okay. I liked it a lot. I've, that was fun. I've heard enough stories. I feel like I don't even need to see it. Like, and I just don't have any interest. I want to keep love that the- part of the female body pure, you know? The uh, the lady boy show Bonnet or Sh- Chandonet, oh, yeah. they call it. That was really good. It was funny, and yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, no, I like. I want to go back to Southeast Asia, but I don't think I can live there. You know what I mean? I think uh, yeah. you know Italy, Southern Europe, and then Brazil is. I, I think those are what I yeah. call my vibe is. I need to go to China, yeah. and Japan still, but other than that, I'll do a little Africa shit, and but I think I found the two places where. I feel the best of. Yeah. I want to talk to you about Italy uh, at some point too, because I'm like interested in, in there and yeah, you, you make it look different to like the standard tourist. Uh, Talk about Italy? Yeah. Cause like in, in, in Italy, like you can go to Rome and you're just like surrounded by a whole bunch of, of tourists and it's just crowded everywhere where it kind of like you still, and it looks very typical. Whereas like used to, uh, what I saw in Italy looks kind of beautiful, but like adventurous at the same time. Bro, so, I live the real Italian shit. I live yeah. Mr. Talented Ripley. I, I mean, yeah. I go watch that movie. I told you to watch that, right? Or no, it was a different dude. I helped out when he was going okay. to Italy. Oh, uh, I, Alan Mr. Ripley. Yeah. With, um, was it Damon in there? No. Uh, Jude Law. And yeah, I think dorky looking guy is the main character. Bro, watch that movie. I live that life. I actually lived it. It was so freaking amazing. Yeah, all right. Definitely putting that on the watch list. Yeah, and I'll give you all the places outside the tours. Because like you said, like, yeah, you got to go to the tour stuff. Like, you got to see the amazingness. And I was lucky to even see some of the tour stuff with no people because of the yeah the I pandemic. Trevi Fountain um, and all that, like, nobody there. That's nuts. Bro, I have, I have like 30 cities that have no tourists that are, are amazing. And I still have a shit ton on my list I need to see. Like, I, yeah. I mean, it, it is, you can, especially, bro, if you're with a girl, like, it is the most magical, especially a girl you, like, like a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And they're dressed. Yeah, when Italian. I was. Get an Italian girlfriend, too, bro. I had one this summer, and it, and it was, like, it, it, they're, like, really romantic, especially this one, too. And. It was a fairy tale, bro. It was some fucking movie stuff. Like it was mm-hmm. amazing. So get on yeah, that. You know, need to experience it. 
when I was there in uh, Italy, I like walked around some beautiful park and I was just like, man, this is like, I feels like this type of place I could fall in love in, you know? It's just so beautiful. Romantic. Here's the problem though. I did the thing on it. It's like for the first three months, maybe a little more, you're like, oh my, you're like, yeah, your body, everything is surrounded with beauty. You know, what you see, how they talk, the clothing, the the monuments, yeah. it's like an overload of the colorful buildings. Everything yeah. is just like aesthetically pleasing and I can feel the emotion, right? And then after that, like you obviously start feeling like an Italian or you start like, you know, this is normal and you're used to it. Yeah. And then you start seeing like, okay, this is dirty. Um, so this person's mm. annoying. Oh, maybe they're not as dressed as good as I thought. And then you have you see like all these cracks in like uh, the, the rose colored <laughs> glasses, right? It, yeah. It's weird, bro. I think that's everywhere a lot of the times, like, especially as a yeah. tourist. You have your tourist glasses on, but it hits different in Italy, bro, because you go from yeah. this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen with my own eyes. I remember I did my a solo trip my first time in Italy going through uh, – or my first time solo in Italy. I did a solo trip on the train through northern Italy, you know, just stopping mm-hmm. off at like Brescia, Verona, went to Venice, uh, Bergamo, all that kind of stuff, Bologna. And I was like – I literally felt like I was in a movie. Like that's the biggest movie feeling I've ever had in my life. Just being on that train, solo traveling. And it was so magical. But the, the two times I've lived there, um, it, it's like after that point, that mark, the next months are like, it, it's weird, bro. It's kind of depressing. But then you go back and you're refreshed for three months. Like I was back there last uh, October for like two weeks. And I'm like, oh, I was staying in my old place. And I'm like, do you just do you just do the Schengen zone thing, or do you you get like sort out a visa in advance? No, I had the work visa, so. Uh, um, okay, is yeah, that I easy to get? Or? No, I get to or be you? a baller to get that shit, bro. I had the same okay. work visa as like high end, high powered CEOs. People like Europeans couldn't do the job I could do. That was like the the listing so on the, is, the visa. This is a hack, or how'd you do it? The football. I play. Ah, uh, football. football. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I would always tell them to they make play, my visa. Um, they extended. play American football in Italy too, huh? Oh, they played they played everywhere. They played in Australia. Yeah. You know that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, but, unfortunately, um USA didn't make the cricket world cup this year. Um so I'm sorry about that. Um, I've never watched it. <laughs> I see they have like millions the of people games, cup. So. What's that? They have like millions of people at their little cricket games. No, is that in India? Second, second most popular sport sport in the world, cricket. Wow, behind soccer. Wow, soccer's yeah. fun, dude. Did you go to the game yet? I went to Brazil? one in uh, in uh, Rio, uh, Flamengo versus Botafogo, and I was just like, God, this is just a normal game, and everyone's so passionate. It's just like, and then somebody said to me like, Oh, football's like a religion in Brazil, and I'm like, Yeah, it's like I get it. Dude, I went to the game in Salvador, and uh-huh. they brought the riot oh, shields, the riot shields out in the field and shit. Like, cause yeah. it was like a tie, and people were like, "Fuck you!" Like they were screaming. And dude, it, Salvador's a dangerous city, right? I I found I I was staying in a good spot, and I felt just fine. But it was like, yeah, you could feel some Brazilian emotion going on over there. Like, <laughs> <it was wild. laughs> but just emotions flying um yeah. hi buddy yeah it's two hours a lot of good content yeah. um you're gonna come up here pretty soon and we're gonna do a vlog about uh brazil and and whatnot so enjoy yeah, that man. concrete jungle yeah uh i'll focus on work for the next 
few weeks and then uh, hopefully relax a little bit more when I'm up there in the north. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be shocked. We're, we'll get you right up I've here. I've great things. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right. Uh, have a good day. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.